point of great schools when you have no paper? I didn't have an answer. I say whisper. Criticism, even indoors, was always whispered. Many Cubans would loudly declare how wonderful the regime was, surreptitiously look about to check no potential informant was in earshot, then come up close and whisper, I hate Castro, or something along those lines. So oppressive was the regime that paranoia, secrets, denial and deception permeated every area of life. People didn't dare to be honest. They were too scared of what the repercussions might be. Some Cuban friends of mine in London had told me before I left, you need dollars, you can't buy anything with pesos. I was a pretty intrepid explorer in those days and dismissed this advice. I thought I'd be able to get off the beaten track into the real Cuba where I could use pesos like real Cubans. But my friends were right. You couldn't. There was simply nothing available to buy with pesos. There were no shops or businesses that accepted pesos, except the odd street stall that sold ice cream or bits of cooked dough loosely described as pizza. Cubans got their bread and other essentials with ration books and a lot of queuing. Western goods did exist. Clothing, electrical and hardware goods and food and drink, Havana Club rum, beer, cheese and cured meats, for example, were sold in grey colourless supermarkets. The supermarkets were not at all cheap, and despite the fact that they were state-run, would only accept US dollars, one of the many hypocrisies I would encounter. So the only way anyone could buy anything was with US dollars at a state-run store. However, most people were employed by the government in some way or other and paid in Cuban pesos. So, how did they get dollars? The answer was from tourists. Luis and Celia got their dollars renting out a room to people like me. Most Cubans didn't have the option of an apartment with three bedrooms. Luis's parents had somehow managed to avoid it being expropriated. Some were lucky enough to have the use of a car and could be taxi drivers. But this was another option that was only available to a tiny few. There was no manufacture of cars and no import trade. You, or more likely your parents, would have somehow had to have acquired a car way back when and kept hold of it. There were a few restaurants and bars scattered about, and a tiny well-connected elite could become waiters. Where did that leave everyone else? As an economist and a doctor, you'd expect Luis and Celia to be a fairly wealthy couple, and by Cuban standards they earned good salaries, about 500 pesos a month each. The official exchange rate was one peso to the dollar, thus they earned the equivalent of $500. The unofficial rate, however, the real market rate, was 20 to 1. So Luis and Celia's 500 pesos amounted to about $25. A pair of jeans in the supermarket cost twice that. But remember, you couldn't actually buy anything with pesos. One night's rent from me was more money than Luis, with a PhD, would earn in an entire month. A taxi driver might land that figure in two or three fares. On a good night, a waiter might earn that in tips. But the big money was in selling sex. If she found a generous boyfriend, a prostitute, a jinetera, as they were called, could earn many times that in one night. More than any of the other European nations, it was Italy that seemed to have caught the Cuba bug.
My flight out was full of Italians. All over Havana there were Italians. They loved Cuba. I naively thought it might have to do with the historical links between Italy and communism, but wandering around Havana I soon saw another reason. The Italian men loved the black Cuban women, and vice versa, it seemed. Everywhere you looked, you'd see stylish Italian men arm-in-arm with young Cuban black girls, their paid girlfriends for the two weeks they spent there. Cuban men were selling their bodies too. A rather plump Greek-Englishwoman I knew in her late forties married a beautiful, yes, beautiful man, a jinetero, at least twenty-five years her junior. I had to deliver some money to him for her. I was amazed when I met him. He looked like a young Sidney Poitier. She looked like a chubby, middle-aged Bette Midler, a most unlikely couple. In some cases, I've no doubt couples...